Times, live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana, celebrating age and maturity, helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The Best of Times, your host, Gary Kaligas. Good morning, radio listeners. I'm Gary Kaligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only magazine and radio show for mature adults in Northwest Louisiana. I do thank you for listening to our show today and also thanking those who might be listening via the Internet at www.710keel.com. Also thanking those who might be listening via the Keel application on their Apple or Android devices. We do thank AARP Louisiana neighbors and in country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer for being the exclusive sponsors of this radio show to provide you with beneficial information each and every Saturday morning. In just a few minutes, we're to learn how to avoid being a victim of the American healthcare system. So stay tuned to the show for some very beneficial information for you and your loved ones. It is Saturday, August the 27th, and we are broadcasting our show from the studios of News Radio 710 Keel, a town square media station here in Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show has been pre-recorded, so we will be unable to accept calling questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners. Be sure to pick up the September issue, The Best of Times, at one of our 270 distribution locations beginning on September 1st. We do thank you for the many compliments about our magazine. We do appreciate hearing from you. Remember, if you're unable to find a printed copy at one of our 270 distribution locations, you can always visit our popular website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com to view both current and past issues of our magazine as well as to listen to previously broadcast radio show. In addition, you can view and download the very popular 2022 Silver Pages, the Silver Pages Senior Resource Directory. And in addition, you can find other news and information about upcoming events in the area. We'll be right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana Neighbors, Tending Country Country Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, The Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana and a Bears Tending Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today as a special guest is Dr. David Wilcox, who is an author and a medical consultant, and he's going to discuss the ways to avoid being a victim of the American health care system. So thank you, David, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Thank you, Gary. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Well, me too. I want to tell everyone I've read his book. It's the, the, the book's title. It's a little long. How to Avoid Being a Victim of the American Healthcare System. It's very, David, I was very impressed by it being a former healthcare professional. And it gives a lot of information for the lay reader uh, about coping with this very complex healthcare system, both in the quality aspects as well as the financial aspects. And and uh, you know, David, I, when I when I finished reading it, I I think 
you one of your one of your goals in that particular book hope you hope it is is to to get more positive outcomes of quality of, of all the people getting their their care for their loved one themselves and also in a less costly costly manner is that right that is correct i think that um patients today need to be proactively educated before they even enter the American healthcare system. Because as you know from working in it, and as I know from working in it, it's a jungle. I mean, healthcare is complex, and it's it's not an accident that it's complex. It's made complex by those entities vying for your healthcare dollars. Right. So the more proactive education you can get before you have to enter it, whether it's buying pharmaceutical drugs or going to the hospital or dealing with insurance companies, the better off you're going to be. Well, in, in my dealings currently with uh, with physicians, uh, most of them are impressed if the patient and the family member does some homework. I, I mean, I've yet to find, you, you mentioned a few people in your book that have ever, were, were irate, but I've yet to find lately some healthcare professionals that are that are upset that they you did a little research and and uh, you question and you wanted a second, you wanted an opinion. So, you know, the, the field of medicine is not exact. It's some it has some subjectiveness in it are you right about that <laughs> it depends on the it depends on a lot of factors i can tell you that based on personal experiences so i think my listeners would want to know what gave you inspired you to write the book did you collect information for many years and jot down notes and all of a sudden you decided to come up with this book no actually um i'll, I'll tell you my backstory so I have a multiply handicapped daughter that I had as a teenager because I wasn't a very good teenager. And um, I would take her around to doctor's appointments and I would take her, um, you know, to medical facilities. And I had a lot of respect for the teams that I would interact with that were taking care of my daughter. She was pretty complex. And so when I got laid off from manufacturing, I decided I'm a nurse. Um, and so I did all my education um, as an adult and I entered into the healthcare system as an LPN, got my two-year degree, my four-year degree, my master's in healthcare. And then I went and got my doctorate of, of nursing practice. Wow, so, impressive. Yeah, yeah. so when I did that, I thought to myself, what do I want to do with this doctorate? I've learned so much about healthcare, and I've, and I've seen so much in the healthcare field. And I thought, you know, I want to break it down into layman's terms, and I want to write a book that people can actually pick up if they're going to the hospital and say, oh yeah, hey, you know, this author says, if I bag up my own medications, if I'm not going emergently, like to the emergency room, I'm going for a planned procedure. If I bag up my own medications, then the hospital has to use them and that's gonna decrease my bill and also make sure I understand exactly what medications I'm getting while I'm in the hospital. Just things like that that people don't ever think about um, because, you know, they just get thrust into the situation where they ask you to put on a gown that exposes your entire backside and <laughs> they feed you at certain times of the day and the food isn't very good in the hospital. Um, it's, you know, it's, I want people to know and be informed and be safe. And the way to be safe in your care with medical errors being the third leading cause of death up until COVID is to be educated, is to ask those questions when somebody's going to hang an IV bag or give you a pill. What is this for? Is this something that I've been taking? Is this a new drug? What are the side effects? Those are the those are important things to staying safe in the hospital. 
Well, you're right about all the all those particular factors as well. But again, I want to tell my listeners, I highly recommend it. You you can pick it up on Amazon again. Uh, you can visit our website. And David, what's your website again? You mentioned it to me. Um, well, I've got two, um, but I'm, the one I really like people to visit is called drdavidhelps.com. Drdavidhelps.com. If you go there and sign up for my updates, I will send you a free healthcare resource guide. It gives you one click into checking the quality ratings of your local hospital, one click into checking on your doctors. And so if somebody says, hey, we want, you're going to get surgery and this is a doctor, you can go up there and do your research to make sure that this is the right guy for you. And um, a couple of a price transparency tool, which will help you price what your health care is going to cost because God knows nobody's going to tell you, even though they're supposed to. There's a lot of price transparency legislation out there. It's just not being enforced um, the way it should be. And also, if you're paying high prescription drug prices, you can go right to GoodRx, put in your zip code, find out where you can get your medication for the least expensive in your area, or Mark Cuban's online pharmacy. And Mark Cuban does a, a lot of generic drugs. And what is so Mark Dr. Cuban's, uh, what's, what's his website? I, I, I've gone to it. I can't remember it. Yeah, I'd have to look at uh, I think it's something like, if you Google Mark Cuban's online pharmacy, you'd go right to it. Okay. Okay. So again, his book is very didactic. It has a lot of useful information. It's, it's, it's many chapters. It's, you know, it's over almost 200 pages in length. It gives you very detail. We're going to, we're going to touch base today on, on our show on about some of the areas that gets you a little, a snippet, uh, of, of information that hopefully will benefit you. But you need to get, pick up his book to get the details. So, I, I like the. You have several parts. Part one says staying safe inside the hospital. Part two is paying for your care, and part I mean, part three is a better healthcare system. So, uh, I mean, I like the way you break this down. So, give some give our our, our listeners a little bit of a couple of tips, which were wonderful. What to know before you go to the hospital? I thought some of these were great. Yeah, so as I mentioned with the medications, bag up your own medica- your own medications and take them with you. It'll save you money. You're not going to pay $25 for a Tylenol in that kind of a situation. Um, the other things that you want to do is make sure you have an advocate with you, especially if you're going to have surgery and, you know, begin an anesthesia. You want somebody that understands your health care and knows you personally and has a vested interest. It's not that the clinicians come to work to do a bad job. But what happens sometimes is they get into the wrong medical record or they don't listen to to what the patient is saying. There are a, a variety of stories in that first part of that book around some of my relatives that had to have a strong patient advocate with them because otherwise they were going to get stuff that was going to kill them in the hospital. So always do that. Make sure you have a list of what you take at home and don't think for a minute that everybody is discussing it because anytime you interact with a nurse, give them a list of your home, your home medications. Anytime you're reacting or, or anytime you're interacting with a doctor, especially if you're getting surgery, make sure the surgeon, the anesthesiologist, and the doctor all have a list of your current medications. That, that, that's you know, definitely you, critical. I, I definitely yeah, agree with that. I, I love your, your, your tip and it's, it's, people need to think about it is avoiding Hospital acquired infections. That's critical. Uh, and mention some of those uh, ideas that you had, uh, suggestions that you had regarding that chapter. Sure. The, the simplest form of that 
is anybody who's going to come and take care of you or come into your room, even a relative, especially little children, make sure that you watch them wash their hands for at least 20 seconds. You have the right, if somebody comes in the room, to say, hey, I, I need you to wash your hands for 20 seconds. Alcohol gel works, but it's not as thorough as washing your hands for at least 20 seconds. And that's why you see surgeons scrub in, right, before they do surgery. Correct. Because they know this. Um, so that's the best way to avoid a hospital infection. Yeah, and, you know, during COVID, there was a limitation in number of people. But now, I mean, I I visited uh, some of my friends in the hospital, and there could be 20 and 30 people waiting to visit. I mean, and luck, hopefully, and I, you know, I'm going to say this. I, I saw many of them didn't wash, didn't wash up, just came on in, you know, I hate to say cold turkey, but and touched and hugged, and you never know. I mean, right? And in this right. in this rapid time of uh, the ver- the COVID variants, and you know, some of the hospitals in our area still required uh, masking, but some of them don't enforce it. You know, when not except when they come through the through the front door of the hospital. Uh, sadly, so uh, but hopefully, you know. But but explain getting these infections in the hospital can make you have complications, and and you can get further sepsis and other particular problems right yes you'll stay longer you'll increase your cost for that hospitalization and you'll be sicker i mean so it's a it's just a simple rule anybody that comes near you make them wash your hands if you feel more comfortable with them having a mask on too have them do that i mean you're in control of your health care your health care team are people that you have hired to assist you in your health care but remember as the patient as a health care consumer you're the one who is in control of your health care. Um, the, the other chapter, which I think is one of the most important chapters, you touched on it about medication, and you, you're, you, name, you, you name your chapter Medication Madness. And, and explain to our listeners why, why you coined that phrase. So even, even as somebody who's been in the system, Tylenol has three different names, depending on if it's generic depending on if it's a brand name or depending on if it's an IV infusion. So you have to, you would have to know all three names to know what you are getting. Um, so, I mean, medications, if you're going to get hurt in a hospital, it's usually centers around medications. And that's because people don't ask enough questions about what they're taking. They say, you know, the nurse comes running in the room and says, here, I need you to take these. And the patient takes them instead of saying, hey, I don't recognize this one or what is this little blue pill for? Um, you know, they don't ask those questions. And, and as a healthcare consumer, as a patient, as somebody in charge of your own care, you need to ask those questions because that's the way people get hurt. They get the wrong medication. Even with barcode scanning, like I, I mentioned that in the book, the safest way to get a medication is to watch the nurse come in, scan your armband, and scan the medication. Because what that does, it takes them to the electronic medical record in which it states, yes, this is the right medication, this is the right medication, this is the right medication. I talk about in the book one time when I was supporting uh, a conversion of an electronic medical record in a hospital in the emergency room. They were they didn't want to scan the medications. I just about got jumped over it. But um, they said, we don't have time to do that. And so a nurse was going in to give a medication, an IV, and I said, can I go with you? And she said, yeah, but I'm not scanning. And I said, just humor me, scan it. She scanned the medication and it popped up that that patient was allergic to, wow. that, to the to the um, IV antibiotics she was going to give. And right there, she had an aha moment. You as a patient, so I'm not 
I'm not taking those medications unless I see you scan in front of me. Because everybody's got that technology now. They, they all do, and hopefully they, uh, I mean, I hate to say sometimes the medical staff might be lazy and don't want to wake you up or if you're and they have to give you some medications late at night and or, or give you an IV push or whatever they need to joggle around and get your arm where that particular uh, barcode is on your wrist to make sure that's the right patient they're giving to at 2 a.m. in the morning right that's right and a lot of times they get really busy so they'll, I've seen people print off armbands and then just put them in their pocket terrible, and scan them in the room. So, yeah, it's a bad practice. So but, you as a patient, you have control over that. And the other thing, I, I mean, it's it's wonderful if you can have a patient advocate with you because sometimes you're you're in a la-la land when you're, I mean, I've been in the hospital many, many times where, you know, thank God my wife was there and, you know, she quizzed the, she quizzed the nurse, why is he getting this and oh the doctor ordered it and you know and the, the, and the and the and she asked the wise and i was either conked out sleeping out or whatnot and you know, she she quizzed him and you know occasionally that was questioned even the nurse and maybe i need to go double verify this you know that kind of scenario and likewise uh you're right many people the lay people do not understand that many drugs have multiple names and I mean, I can I can attest to that. Uh, uh, when I was in hospital recently, I didn't know this drug had th- three different names myself. And when the doctor said, "Oh yeah, that's that's the more that's the more non-generic brand of this particular," and they're, they're giving me the he said, "I'm giving you the real stuff, not the generic stuff." Let's hope the generic is real. But uh, <laughs> uh, that was the interesting comment. And the other thing is, importantly, you need to tell the, your physician and hopefully what things you're allergic to hopefully you've documented it somewhere i'm allergic to sulfur drugs or i'm allergic to this antibiotic is that right yes definitely um once it's documented correctly then it becomes automated within your healthcare record or in your electron electronic medical record every time they scan a medication um which was a godsend for the person in the emergency room because they could have this the nurse was rushed she wanted to hang the antibiotic she didn't want to scan it but had she not scanned it then and the patient went into an anaphylactic reaction she would have spent a lot more time at the bedside probably pushing a little bit of epinephrine to take them out of it and steroid drugs and all the stuff that happens when you're when they give you something you're allergic to and the other uh, interesting thing I, I want to mention, I know of a, a particular patient who was administered a new drug, uh, thinking that th- that the new drug was going to help this individual, but ended up having a reaction to it. I mean, it was like, uh, according to the family, it was like one in a million people have a reaction to this new particular drug, but he was one of the one in the million. And, it, it, you know, you never know about those kind of things, but now it's in the record that he, he cannot take this particular type of medication you know so uh, i hate to say it's like trial and error you you wouldn't know to begin with as well yep exactly and if you go to a different hospital you have to do that all over again because they're going to use a different electronic medical record yeah that's that's a sad thing that's really a sad thing i mean i mean they are working on interoperability so don't get me wrong but but don't depend on that occurring 
Well, I get I get frustrated with some of my physicians who are not related to the other the other groups that you have to, you know, write everything out again. If you, especially if you visit him new, or if he wants to, everybody has to update everything. I mean, I get I said, can I just bring it on a flash drive or something? And everybody's nope, you got to have it handwritten down. And today I went to a physician and and they 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 had left off two medications that I thought I knew I'd told them before, and oh, we failed those failed a bit loaded the last time you came really, and I brought the bottle even that last time and you failed to load them and uh, the physician apologized he said oh we should have had that in the in the system but they weren't in there and so you know luckily i when i reviewed the list i said there are two missing here and he said oh really what are they and i told him what they are and and um, and he they added it to the record well hold that thought we'll be right back with more information but now we're our sponsors and advertisers who do make this radio show possible you're listening to the best of times radio hour here on news radio 710 keel proudly presented by aarp louisiana neighbors tenant country report your dodge chrysler ram and jeep dealer gary Kalidas will be right back with more best of times radio hour after this on 1017 fm and 710 keel Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 101.7 FM and 710 Kiel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana and Bears Tending Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my radio show today is a special guest is Dr. David Wilcox, an author and medical consultant, and he is discussing the ways to avoid being a victim of the American health care system. So thank you, David, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Thank you, Gary, for having me. I appreciate it. Why don't I mention everybody? We're discussing uh, his book, How to Avoid Being a Victim of the American Healthcare System, and it's by David Wilcox, Dr. David Wilcox, available on Amazon, and it's also available via his website at www.drdrdavidhelps.com. Again, that's www.drdavidhelps.com. So we were, we were talking about survival tips being in, in the hospital, the medication madness. and So what should a person do um, in advance about elective surgery they might be having? So and you want to rate your hospital. And again, at drdavidhelps.com, I have that free healthcare resource guide for you. You want to look up your hospital and see uh, what the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services has rated them for quality. So um, it's a rating system between one and five, five being the best, one being the worst. So you know what you're getting yourself into. Um, my local hospital is rated a two, and when I went to the emergency room, I fully understand now why it's rated a two. Um, but you know, in, in an emergency situation, you have to go to the emergency room. So that, and then you wanna go to healthgrades.com, um, and, and that's also in this resource guide. And you can put in any doctor's name and do the research and see what patients are saying about this doctor. Um, you know, he was rushed to the bedside. Um, I had to keep going back because I was reinfected. Things like that you want to watch out for. Um, you want to you want to hear about a doctor who cares about his patients and, and listen to you and the family. Um, so those are two of the things that I would do, definitely. You can even, if you get the name of the anesthesiologist, you can even research the anesthesiologist on this site, which is important because that's the guy who keeps you alive during surgery. So the question I have with you, I, I, I know that a lot of this data is is for Medicare and possibly Medicaid patients, but no, the very little of that data is loaded for private patients. Is that correct? No, that, that data is out there for private patients. 
I didn't know um, that. Okay, back in the old days, there was no private data loaded into a system. It was only uh, it was only for uh, Medicare patients. Well, for the research part of it, um, that's you you would go to CMS to find out the hospital. The hospital's got to have a, a star rating between one and five, and uh, um, and the other site that I mentioned where you go to see the physician, that's going to be for anybody. And it doesn't matter if you're on Medicare or Medicaid or private insurance, as well as the price transparency tool that's in there. Um, so, yeah, it's not like there's a lot of data there because, you know, they, they hate to release their data. Um, in fact, in January of 2022, healthcare systems, hospitals were supposed to put on their website in consumer friendly manner what your what your procedures would cost. Um, and so. They didn't, and there's an example in my book of my local hospital where I'm a, I'm a doctor-prepared nurse, and I would have to hire a coder to figure out exactly what a total was going to cost. Wow. They don't do that. Yeah, they don't do it because if you do your research and you say, like, my hospital was a two-star and cost about 12000 to get a total knee done, but there's an ambulatory surgical center in town, too, and it only costs 8000 to get a total knee done, and that's if you're paying out of pocket, not with your insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, with insurance, you've got to make sure everybody's in network and all of that so that it's all covered. But the hospital doesn't want you to know that because guess what? The ambulatory surgical center has better quality ratings than the hospital does. Wow. So, you know, that's the kind of research you want to do to make sure you're getting yourself into um, the best situation. And uh, with that price transparency tool, they'll even show you all the hospitals around you within like a, a two-hour radius or something. I can't remember what the exact time frame is. Um, which one is the best hospital for the procedure you're going to have done? Okay. One other chapter I thought was a very difficult chapter, I think that many family members and even patients are having a difficulty, is make your wishes known. And that explain to our listeners what you mean by that. Yeah, that was a very hard chapter to write um, because it dealt with family issues. But um, so... Everybody at some point is going to need health care, and everybody at some point is going to leave this world. We've seen as healthcare professionals, we've seen people leave very peacefully, and there's some notes in there about my wife who was a hospice nurse for many years, and then we've seen people who were flogged on their way out because they didn't make their decisions known. One gentleman that I worked with in particular, um, who I was standing there, he was a physician, and there was a guy that came in the emergency room, and I was assisting him, and he said to me, I, the guy was brain dead, and he said, if that's ever me, just pull the plug. Well, he dropped in a uh, locker room uh, probably about two years later, and he was brain dead. And his wife, even though he wanted to have the plug pulled, I don't know if he put it in writing or if he didn't, but his wife kept him alive for 18 long months where he had no quality of life. He was in a nursing home. He would come in the hospital with infections he would come in the hospital with bed sores and I, I would just felt terrible about it but you know unless you're unless you make your needs known and have that difficult conversation with a person who's going to direct your health care if you're incapacitated then it's a wild west out there um and i put a i put a example of that with my mom i knew my mom's cardiac condition and she had had over 11 stents and she wasn't a candidate for open heart, and she was in her 80s. And so when they called me, and she was in the ER having a heart attack, 
they were like, well, can we take her to the Catholic? Can we do this? I looked at my wife because she didn't want any of that. She just, and I said, yeah. And so three minutes later, I get a call back. And it was just, her picture has changed, a doctor's with her, and, and she's, she's dying, actively dying. And I said, okay, thank God. God had a different design for because here I'm a medical professional and I was going to go ahead and, you know, yeah, put the pedal to the metal because I could not get out of sun mode. So that's the one yes, thing you want to think tough. about. Who is that person, right? Who is that's that person right. who's going to handle it for you? And, and you know, individuals need to update their living will. I mean, they have a living will. They have their health care power of attorney that they definitely need to update and have available. And, and, and uh, that's a, those are two critical documents. Most hospitals, when you come in admission, they ask if you have one. Do you have it with you? Um, a lot of people uh, have it on file. In some states, you can put it on file. Some people uh, have a loved one that has it and brings it there. Uh, but it, it's important. You're right, making those decisions. And and David, you know about it being in healthcare. If you don't have some of those, and and the situation arises, then it and it takes uh, the whole family members to have to vote on deciding what to do. Sometimes when you're when you're uh, uh, in a hospital scenario in a critical situation, so it's it's important that uh, you get everything prepared in advance for those particular possibilities but you don't want people to linger you don't want them to suffer and have a bad bad outcome uh, forever ever right right exactly and one of the tips that i will give your listeners is put a copy of it on your refrigerator Good so idea. one of the thing, yeah one of the things that ambulance people will take or emts will take into account is they'll look at the refrigerator to see if, if there's any records so if you're passed out and they're taking you out they're going to grab them on the way out Good point. Really, really good yeah. point. Um, okay the the other the other question that I have is, and you have it so many places in your book, is why is why are health prescription drugs so costly in America? Yeah, so we we pay ten times more for epinephrine pens um, than anywhere else in the world. So um, my wife is on has to have epinephrine pens because she has a severe shellfish allergy. So we paid six hundred and eighty dollars for two pens. We hope to God we never have to use, right? So, um, but that's the way it is because of the research and development. Is at least that's what we're told here in this country. Yet if you go over to the UK to England, you pay sixty seven pounds for two pens. <laughs> so every, everybody's heard the stories about drive to Canada to get your drugs and stuff. Right. Well, it's, it's it's true. In this country, we pay so much more, but the pharmaceutical company companies in in the USA were highly unregulated until this uh, Inflation Reduction Act came into play where Medicare can actually negotiate. Medicare, one of the biggest providers of, of medical supplies, pharmaceutical drugs, and, and care could not even negotiate prices with the pharmaceutical companies um, up until this law went into effect about a week ago. So that cost regular Americans over $11 billion a year. There's, you know, if you look at the statistics, 40% of Americans aren't filling all their medications. They're delaying health care, which makes them sicker when they show up um, because it's unaffordable to them. 40% of Americans. That's a lot of people. A lot, lots yeah. and lots of people. Uh, but in your book, you you tell us, and I, I think we talked about it. There, there are some avenues which a lot of people don't don't think about using is uh, the, the the RX, the good. What is it called? The good RX. I'm, I'm using. Yeah, it. good RX. 
Mm-hmm. And that's yep. one of them. And I've actually used it. I'm, I'm on Medicare, and I'm on. I've got a Part D plan. But occasionally, I have used that and uh, uh, to to meter beat whatever the Medicare rate was for a particular drug that I was uh, prescribed. And so people ask me, "Can you use it when you're Medicare?" Yeah, no, why not? Uh, I mean, you don't have to file it against your claim. You can pay for it privately, and you're going to pay for it. You make your deductible anyway. Might as well. So, uh, isn't that true? Yeah, except that it doesn't go to your deductible. When you use GoodRx or Mark Cuban's online true. pharmacy, okay, it actually is a cash transaction. It won't go towards your deductible. Now you can keep your receipts and try to work with your insurance company or Medicare to get it to go to your deductible, but chances are that won't happen. Well, at least you're going to be getting it at a, a for affordable price, even though you may be paying absorbent prices in the area. So, again, it gets very complex. But, but again, I, those people on private pay, they're not in, under Medicare or they're, or they're paying, have, have high deductible plans. It's good to, to shop around, correct? Definitely. And GoodRx, oftentimes you can get your medication for less money than you can using your insurance and a copay. So here you are paying for insurance, um, hoping that they can drive down the price when they don't, and you have to go do it yourself anyway, especially with this new act, because Medicare Part D, and you're going to love this, gets capped in 2025 at $2,000 out of pocket. Currently right now it's $7,050, and you have to pay 5% of the medication you're on, which doesn't sound like a lot, but if you're on, if you've got an autoimmune disorder, oh, yes. or you're getting chemotherapy, it, it's significant. So, what's going to happen, I think, um, and believe professionally, is these pharmaceutical companies who can't tax or can't charge seniors more now, they're going to start to raise their prices out for the insured and uninsured folks. So, you really want to know about how to lower the cost for your medications wow. and. Mar- Mark Cuban's online pharmacy, even though that, that the price negotiation doesn't start till 2026, which gives the pharmaceutical companies three long years to figure out their strategy, um, I think that's the way it's going to end up. So I'm sure more people will be using GoodRx and Mark Cuban's well, David, online I'm, pharmacy. I'm, I'm glad you brought up about the time delay. I've had a few of my senior citizen friends and loyal readers of my magazine radio show. I saw them recently. Oh, can, golly, this is great news. We're going to have all our prescription drugs now cap, and we're going to be able to negotiate with the, the drugs. And I said, did you read the fine print? It doesn't implement until 2025. That's two years from now, and the and you as you mentioned the the, the negotiating pricing doesn't start until 26, right? Exactly. And I think our news um, media—I hate to say that—our news medias are not telling the people the complete story. They're they're just you know raising the flag and say yes, we've won, we're moving on, but it's not a quick implementation, you know, like most. No. So, and I mean, Gary, my phone's been off the hook um, the last couple of weeks with because people want the accurate information. So in 2026, only 10 drugs can be negotiated, right? In yeah. 2027, it bumps up to 15, and in 2029, it's 20 every year thereafter. That's the um, other so fine print that people didn't understand. They thought every single drug, and I said, you know... Did you read it? I mean, I've got a, I had access to it as well, like you did. But you're right. I'm glad you brought it up. But very few people in the news media even even mentioned that. I mean, nationally, locally, regionally, I didn't I didn't hear one talk about it uh, as well. 
So yeah, the devil's in the details in this. Um, oh yes, Inflation oh, yes. Reduction Act. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. Well, hold that thought. We'll be right back with more information. But now I work with our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana Neighbors, Dunning Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana and a standing country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is a special guest is Dr. David Wilcox, who is an author and medical consultant, and he's written the interesting book on how to avoid being a victim of the American health care system. You can pick it up on Amazon. You can go to his website at www.drdavidhelps.com. LPS.com. So thank you, David, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Thank you, Gary, for having me. I'm enjoying our conversation. Well, definitely I am, too. There there are so many different topics. I mean, again, I, we're just touching some of this, but I, I want to get your, your your idea in this few minutes we have left about um, about about price transparency in the healthcare system. Do you feel it's important? Definitely. Healthcare is the only thing that Americans get or hopefully shop for without knowing fully what it's going to cost. So we we touched base on uh, uh, transparency law for uh, hospitals to put out the information on their website. Only 16% of hospitals are doing that. Um, Two of them in the state of Georgia got fined very heavily, and now they they have great websites out there because they paid $800,000. One of them did. The other one was like four hundred thousand, and now. On, um, but do July you think 1st, the consumers out there, the potential family members and potential patients, will actually take the time and effort to do it? Well, I hope they will. I've made it easy for them. If they go to drdavidhelps.com and sign up for my um, periodic updates, I will give them a healthcare resource guide that has a price transparency tool in it. Um, that will actually show them what the procedures are going to cost. But as so, you, I mean, I'm not being negative. I, I love it. Uh, but as you're saying in your book, if you're you're having a elective procedure, or can, uh, your doctor, you want to get a, another opinion, or uh, et cetera, you're going to you're going to have probably have time to, to do some shopping. But if it's urgent, emergent, you're probably not going to have time, right? Exactly. Yeah. Don't delay your care if it's emergent. Get your care, and, and, and you, you may show up with a Star Two hospital, but hey, at least you're there, and somebody's going to be, gonna be uh, tackling, tackling the, the the condition that's emergent right then and there, and hopefully resolve the issue. But if you wait and procrastinated and went on a website to see who's the cheapest, you're, you might be dead, and might have right, more, exactly. and you may have more complications based upon it. <laughs> so you know, it's there are a lot of factors in that. Um, so any any other thoughts about that? About um, transparency? Well, yeah, yeah. So on um, July first of this year, insurance companies were told they have to do the same thing around healthcare transparency. Doesn't really take effect for them until January of twenty twenty three, um, but they are supposed to give you the exact price because you know the insurance companies. I had somebody here who had surgery, and they went 
they checked out everything, made sure everything was in network, got a good idea of what they thought it was going to cost. And day of surgery, anesthesiologist calls in sick. They bring somebody from out of network in, and this person gets a $10,000 bill. So um, you, you have some control over this, and you don't have some control over this. So having the healthcare insurance companies have to tell you exactly what it's going to cost with the doctors you're using, the hospital that you're going to, is huge if it gets enforced. Now, I think they learned from the Hospital Transparency Act because they, the fines were not enough for people to do it. People said, the hospital said, yeah, we'll just take the fine. We're not going to do that. So they raised the fines up to $2 million. Um, and so now we're seeing some compliance with it. Well, in the insurance industry, the fine is $100 a day per, per member. Wow. So it's pretty significant. That is, that is. One of the, another chapter in his book, I wish we had a lot of time to talk about it because I think it's the most exciting uh, chapter, is called A Better Healthcare System. And in his, uh, this chapter, he mentions the use of technology, uh, right? And it's healthcare yeah. technology and telehealth. And, you know, I hate to say this, uh, I saw a little bit about it in the 1990s when I was a home care administrator. They were just being introduced, not readily accepted. The government even didn't like it back then, but we did some of it uh, in the home health care setting. And I, I knew, being a, a former techie person, I'm a former engineer, I, I thought it was the best thing ever. And I, knew, I said, this is going to grow exponentially in the very near future. That was in the 90s. And now we're in, you know, 30, 40 years later, and it is definitely right there in the most everybody's using it and the patients love yes. it family members love it physicians love it hospital people love it and everybody loves it right yes and even the insurance companies love it because it decreases the overall costs if you're being taken care of at home with somebody in the house with you and you're hooked up you have like a wireless uh, scale that you can weigh yourself on you have a bluetooth blood pressure cuff you have a pulse oximetry to measure the oxygen levels in your blood and you're wearing a Fitbit or an Apple Watch, when somebody who has congestive heart failure, normally what would happen with that person is, I don't feel so good, and they go into a full-blown crisis, they go to the emergency room, they pull the fluid off, they keep them for a couple of days. It's a very expensive way to, to treat the illness. Using the technology at home, all of a sudden, there's a nurse watching all of these metrics on a board, and the metrics are set to fly up to the top if... Uh, if the technology thinks you're having a problem, so that's the first thing the nurse sees, they see, oh, Gary isn't walking as much anymore. Looks like he gained four pounds over the last three days, and his oxygen levels are down. Well, they know. They know you're going into a congestive heart failure crisis. So they text you or call you or whatever your preferred method of communication is and get the doctor, and you get onto a telehealth appointment, and he says, hey, I'm going to have you take... 20 of your Lasix or your antidiuretic um, instead of 10 over the next three days, and then we're going we're gonna to have another appointment and see how you're doing and monitor your vitals. That's the way to be treated, right? That's because right. Because you don't go into crisis. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a continuing monitoring system. I mean, it's amazing now what are my iWatch, my Apple Watch. My, my son's a doctor and he enforced me to, he said, Dad, you have an Apple One, which doesn't do a thing. You know, the Apple, he says, you got to get at least a six or a seven. So I got the six. And it is remarkable at what it does. I mean, from blood oxygen to heart rate to AFib. I mean, it's like, wow. And when I showed my, 
current family physician, he said, well, we can connect you all with with your watch to our systems. I said, really? He said, yes, we're going to do that. So, hey, we've done that. So, again, it does all my blood pressure readings and all that kind of stuff till we load that in the blood pressure. Cuff. So the technology is increasing daily. Now, people think it's a hindrance, but I don't think it is. Just like you said, it, it, it it's going to forewarn you in advance before the, the critical outcome comes, right? Exactly. And who wants to be in the hospital in a gown with your backside exposed when you can be <laughs> at home petting your dog, right, and get the phone call, hey, we need to talk to you, your measurements don't look great, your vital signs don't look the best, so doc's coming on, can you open up your iPad? You can sit there with your dog, talk to the doctor, they make your adjustments, and you're fine. Yeah, that's so true. Well, again, David, thank you for joining us today. It was quite educational. Your book is fantastic. I hope my listeners will pick up a copy and make use of it for their or their family members as well. It's it's a remarkable book, How to Avoid Being a Victim of the American Healthcare System by David Wilcox, available on Amazon, also available. Visit his website. He's offered a lot of free things. If you go to his website at www.doctor, is it spelled D-R or the full doctor name? I own both URLs, but DR is, is less typing for your listening okay. audience. <laughs> okay, com. Again, it's www.drdavidhelps.com. So, again, thank you for joining us today. Best wishes to you. God bless you. And thank you for writing an informative book that can help many, many millions of people throughout the world. Thank you, Gary. I appreciate our time today, and I really enjoyed our discussion. Thank you a lot. Everyone, join us next Saturday for another show that can benefit you or your loved ones. Do thank our sponsors and advertisers who support our radio show and our magazine, The Best of Times. Don't forget to pick up your personal copy of our magazine at one of our 270 free distribution locations throughout the area. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you again for listening to our show. I'm Gary Kaligas wishing you and yours the best of times both today and every day. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 9 a.m. for more Best of Times. This is 1017 FM and 710 Keel.